0: Love, Hope, Radio. Welcome
1: to Mega Yacht News Radio. I'm Diane Burns, and today we're speaking with Joe R.T. Of Joseph Arcee's design for the past three decades Joe has been collaborating with the industry's leading naval architects and yacht builders on a variety of sailing yachts and motor yachts responsible for both interior design and exterior styling while he's based in Seattle he's worked with clients around the globe including members of the Saudi royal family Joe is here today to talk about some recent projects the challenges of new builds and refits and what we can expect from his design studio in the near future so let's get started. Joe, welcome to Mega Yacht News Radio.
0: Well, thank you, Diane. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to Great. talk to you.
1: Good. Good to have you here. You know, I always start with some um, people's backgrounds, asking how they got into the art industry. So, you know, how did you become involved? Were you a lifelong boater, or did you discover it by accident?
0: Well, I've been a boater, but uh, I hadn't considered it as a career. I, I, studied industrial design in school, and and frankly, I wanted to be an automobile designer until I realized that uh, automobile designers had to live in Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that was before the Japanese invaded, and we had our, you know, they have their design studios all over Southern California. We used to joke about how wonderful that would be if only Detroit could get their act together, and, you know, we'd all. But at any rate, I worked in Manhattan for a year uh, for a design firm um, after, after school, uh, we did trade fairs for the State Department. And then, uh, you know, I, I just had to get back to California. And uh, so I wanted to go where boats were, and that was Newport Beach. But uh, I found myself working at, uh, in, aer- in the aerospace field, working for Douglas Aircraft, uh, designing the first interior on the DC-9. When that program ended, I was doing uh, other aerospace work, uh, working on a gun program. It was the height of the Vietnam War, and I was very much against the war. And it so happened my chief engineer was an avid sailor and uh he just happened to wrangle a position as um as head of design for columbia yachts, a production sailboat designer of the era and uh he told me and I said, "Take me with you." He <laughs> <We> picked up <laughs> our stuff and we walked out of the building and that was it and and so i was in i was in production yacht design and did that for two years and then I broke off on my own uh and started uh working uh as a as a um as a private contractor with Islander, I did the Islander Thirty Six uh, production sailboat. That was my first uh, project after I hung my shingle out. Mm-hmm. So that's how it got started. And then we did a few, a few production boats, and uh, then I started uh, doing custom boats uh, and started working with Bruce King on some of the some of his big custom boats.
1: Great, sounds good. You know, you mentioned the Islander Thirty Six being your first yacht project. Right. So, you know, what what was it like? working on a yacht for the very first time? Was it intimidating? Was it exciting?
0: It was probably one of the most exciting things that had ever happened because when I was at Columbia, you know, basically the marketing philosophy was advertise the lowest possible price. So that meant, you know, the skimpiest boat we could put together within reason. And so, you know, I would try to put a pin rail in, uh, you know, around the navigator station or a drawer, and, you know, and and the boss would say, no, you know, we big buddy here, not boats and uh, drawers cost money, et cetera. So suddenly I was broken free. And uh, the president of Islander had been the uh, uh, the sales manager at um, the regional sales manager at Columbia, and he had an art background. He recognized my art because I did, was able to put a little bit of design into the exterior styling on some of the boats and you know, at, at at Columbia. And he uh, he said, "Come on, let's do it. And this is your boat." So I had carte Blanc, but I'd never had carte Blanc before on a yacht. I'd never done a a boat by myself, you know, and uh, and so I <laughs> a flood. There was a cascade of concepts and ideas that had build been building up because while I was at Columbia, we were ocean racing. We were act- act- actively campaigning a, a Columbia 36, a yawl, which we had you know tr- all tricked out with a trim tab and all sorts of you know the latest goodies. But uh, and and I noticed that when we were in one ocean racing, that boats weren't designed to be negotiated, to be walked through, to be, you know, in a healed condition. And so one of my first things was okay, let's let's design this boat as if it were healed at a thirty or four, at at extreme forty-five degree angle. And uh, so I started working with uh, the, the cockpit and in the interior uh, with that in mind, providing a horizontal you know foot plane or footpath as it were, if one were to, to traverse the length of a boat, you know, uh he in heel condition, falling from crest to, to trough, you know, at in thirty knots, uh you know, in the middle of the night in an emergency condition. So that was kind of my concept and then uh Islander was losing about, oh, forty thousand dollars a month uh, at that time and they needed a real blockbuster so I had to throw some great styling in there and um and and so I but I had to you know since it was a it was a, um, a production boat. We obviously wanted to command the largest you know, spectrum of the market we could, so that would include traditionalists as well as people that like modern design. So I had to really stretch it and do some things that were very traditional and do some things that were extremely modern at the same time and wrap it all up in one coherent package, and it sold more than any other 36-footer had in history at that time. They sold 750 boats. I'm sure that's been you know wildly surpassed you know in later years, but that was back in
1: 1970. Right, right, different well, era, of the time for sure.
0: Yeah, so it was fun um, because it was uh, it was unlimited, and um, we couldn't incorporate all of the ideas in the first boat. It, 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 you know, the company was just overwhelmed. Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, well, as a matter of fact, Alan Gurney was the uh, was the hull designer, and of course he was racing to fame and fortune with Nepenthe, and. And, um, when we're passage. And, uh, so he flew, he flew in and in our first meeting, I made, I presented my drawings and I had designed portholes at seating eye level, you know, in the salon. And that was the first and, uh, uh, for American yachts or for anybody, I guess. And, and he jumped up, turned purple and, and said, you will not put portholes in the slot of my boat. And so, of course, they didn't go in. But then the next year, Benetou or you know, I forget, I forget which one of the French companies uh, came out into the American market with portholes at city level. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's. Uh, I guess the problem with with one of the problems with being you know very creative is is you have to be very judicious in 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 how you um, incorporate the ideas. They have to be right for the client as well right. as the market. Right. As well as their production facilities, you have to, you know, like my client said, Joe. We were expecting just one one new idea per boat, you know, not right. all of them all at once. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: that brings up and that brings up a, another point. Um, you know, with all the different projects that you tackle, you have sailing yachts, you have motor yachts. You know, are there advantages of one or even challenges of one versus the other that you prefer to tackle over well, the other? Well, Frank.
0: Yeah, I, I frankly prefer sailboats because I am a sailor. Although when I cruise, I mean, you know, cruising with a family or something, just gunk-holing around. Frankly, I, you know, I like the motorboat. You know, just the utility of it. You know, being able to get where you want to go and drop anchor. And you know, but uh, as far as design is concerned, um, yeah, there are ideas that haven't come out yet that need to that need to happen on sailboats. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, sail, the sailboat has not been. Thoroughly designed as a vessel to carry people through, uh, you know, through the waters in this highly mobile environment. Uh, you know, as as I, you know, described when I was what I was going through when I was designing the Islander 36. Um, and and the other thing is I really love skylighting. I love to use natural light as part of the uh, design. You know, one of the elements of design. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you got you know you're working on a four or five deck boat. Uh, <laughs> makes it pretty difficult
1: um
0: so yeah, my ideal would my i my ideal next project would be about a hundred and fifty or sixty foot uh, sailboat mm. and uh, and and really uh really work with light yeah
1: uh, yeah on that
0: on that particular project
1: great, great, well let's talk about some of the projects you've done in recent years um the refit of the shadow yacht surrey comes to mind not just from the design standpoint but also from the standpoint of the owner's acquisition of the boat. Why don't you explain how you got involved in that respect and then what the particular challenges were of restyling this vessel that was really very commercial-looking and still has some of that air tour but is a little bit more softened, too, I would say.
0: Well, in in these types of conversions, um, you know, you're usually working with a limited budget uh the client will purchase the boat and they'll say well you know we're not wiping the entire superstructure off the boat and starting all over let's start with leave the pilot house but work aft you know and so you're you're stuck with a you know trying to trying to work with the existing superstructure and uh and then try to do whatever else it is that uh you know that that is required in terms of styling and, and in this in the, in the case of Surrey uh, I, it just so happened that there was a boat for sale here in Seattle. It was a crabber, and uh, it came to my attention, and I brought it to the attention of uh, Antrim and uh, Stan Antrim, who was um, uh, who headed up uh, yes yacht escort uh, boats, um, and uh, and so they looked at it, and it, it turned out they they went ahead and bought it. So that it, but as far as the styling of it was concerned, the owner of the boat. Um, that it was being designed for had a, a larger powerboat. This was obviously just an escort vessel, and he had certain styling uh, on that powerboat that was done by somebody else, an exterior stylist, and it had a kind of a, you know, a, a certain shape to the um, um, uh, uh, to the superstructure, and, and 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 he said basically, can you you know achieve as much of a family resemblance as possible? So I basically had to copy somebody else's design. <laughs> it was just one element. It was kind of like a Nike swoop, you know, and uh, and um, uh, it was it was hard for me to do that because I you know I I, I like to create my own things, right. but I did it. And the the thing that was probably most creative about the boat, or that presented the biggest challenge, that was just easy. I just basically, you know, just just translated the other guy's design on on, on onto the exterior. But the thing was that most of these um, uh, shadow boats are they they're just a big uh, looks like a bread box on a barge. And so what we had to do there was to raise the freeboard uh, along the length of the boat, um, and to make every, to bring everything in, into proportion, and then try to make it look like a yacht. And it's just, you know it was kind of a kind of a tricky thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's not certainly isn't anything that I would hang on my wall as the you know as the best design at all. But it was it was a challenge. Let's put it that way. Right. But, right. But but a challenge working with extreme restrictions. Sure. Uh, from the builder, from and from the uh, and from the owner.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there was another research vessel that you were involved in. Um, I'm thinking of Alusha. Right. Uh, in your designer's notes, I remember you you raised the question of whether it's possible to transform a research vessel into what you called a bold artistic expression, and that really caught my eye because it's very different. It's not the kind of of wording that you typically hear from yacht designers. You know, every yacht designer, of course, does view their work as being artistic, but the the actual wording that you used I thought was interesting. So why don't you describe what you meant and how you were involved in the whole conversion?
0: Well, these clients were very interesting. Their their whole object of this, uh, the mission of this yacht was to explore the depths of the ocean. And to record what they found, it was scientific research. But they also had, uh, uh, were to have two film editing labs, high definition film editing labs to make uh, uh, to make film, underwater film, um, um, you know, educational films with and whatnot. And the owners were collectors of art, and they were very sophisticated. Uh, and so what we had, we. <laughs> What we had was a a very traditional 1960, I think it was built in '62 in France, vessel with extremely small, narrow corridors, uh, you know, about 30, 36 inches wide, max, uh, you know, like 60 feet long, and um, I just, you know, I wanted to turn it into something that would be exciting, and so I was given carte blanche as far as getting rid of one whole deck, wiping out all the bulkhead, and so... Instead of one one passageway leading from the foredeck deck after the, uh, to the helicopter deck, I was able to take that entire deck, which included uh, four, four guest staterooms, owners, VIP, ca- a captain's cabin, and an office, and completely do what I wanted to do. So I created an art gallery. I widened it way out. I, of course, naturally had to redistribute some of the spaces and everything, but uh, I widened that space to be an art gallery. So when you walked in, actually, you know, the guests would – Step off the helicopter they'd walk through the into the what I call what we call the gallery, and they'd be overwhelmed with art and it, the art would be the art that was the current photography of these undersea creatures uh, that they found this this boat had three submarines mm. aboard, and uh so they were capable of depths of oh well, pretty close you know pretty close to a mile i guess three 30, thirty uh thirty five hundred feet something like that, so they were able to get down pretty deep and so they would be displaying it so i mean on the one hand it was sort of a calculated thing this was my initial presentation to rope in the client you know by appealing to their desire for you know for art and but and they grabbed it immediately i mean they just saw the the interest of it and and that and that was it there was no right. no question about it they did have input into colors and so on and so forth they didn't do everything like exactly as i had designed it but uh, the shapes and the stairways and the, all of that um, Came out exactly as I designed it,
1: mm-hmm. you know, so it was. Um, oh,
0: you know, it was just. It, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No,
1: no, Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say. I mean, just in a nutshell, um, it was a tour de force. The, the clients had some some ideas that they had in mind. For instance, she said she liked the look of carved glass or of sandblasted glass. So, up in the uh, in the main salon, which was an all new structure that we added, uh, a whole new. You know, addition to the to the superstructure, she, she said, you know, can we have a you know an illuminated wall, the main bulkhead that ran athwart ships, you know, across the, and I wasn't about to put glass in there, but we found uh, an uh, an electro luminescent plastic that was about a sixteenth of an inch thick, that when passed uh, uh, when a when a low voltage current was passed through it, it, it glowed, you know, it luminesced. And so we made two by three, you know, all framed out in wood. We we took that entire bulkhead, which was the forward bulkhead in the main salon, and it became an, an illuminated aqua bulkhead, yet it only took about a half an inch. Uh, and because we didn't have the three or four or five inches, that would require to backlight, you know, a translucent uh, panel. So uh, because of the staircases and whatnot. So at any rate, I mean, we were able to satisfy the, that client's wish and, and, turn it into something that really was 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 dramatically different. And that's you know, part of what design is all about as a designer. You want to do things that are different enough so that uh, they capture notice, um people take notice, but by the same token you have to say, obviously you have to satisfy the owner's requirements. It can't just be certainly isn't just about the designer.
1: Right, right. You know it's funny you mentioned dramatically different because I was thinking about another project that you were recently involved in, which is Miss Lisa and, you know, talk about dramatically different. If you put Alusha and Miss Lisa next to each other, I mean, they're as different as night and day. You know, Miss Lisa is so classically down east with just acres of wood everywhere, and it's that such a different feeling, such a real classic cruising feeling. Um, I wanted to talk to you about that one, too, not just from the standpoint of the down east style, but the fact that the galley is the focal point of the entire yacht. That is also very different. So, why don't you talk about your dealings with those clients and what they were looking for? Well
0: <clears throat> excuse me in answer to your question, I think that to the first question that you suggested, um, you know how two things can be so radically different. Uh, we, you know the common denominator, of course, is the human being, whether it's sale or whether it's power uh, or whether it's uh, contemporary or 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 traditional. it's the human, the human people the the people and and so you know, when you boil it down to that, it just becomes a different style. And uh, you know, I started out doing very traditional things, working with Bruce King. And you know, Bruce uh, Bruce's um, uh, uh, his his modus operandi, or should say, I mean, his, his 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 desire was to create the most you know the epitome of, of of the classical yacht with long overhangs. And so, working with Bruce on several projects, I really came to understand the passion for classicism that uh you know is so inherent in our yacht industry. Uh, you know, it's it's gosh, it goes back, I mean, you know, how many generations back into, you know, uh our you know, our British history and our European history and whatnot. so those classical elements are extremely important to some and they don't mean so much to others. Other people obviously want something new and unique, uh, you know, as a presentation of their of their style, to their friends, to their Family, et cetera, of people that are going to be using the boat. So, in the in the case of Miss Lisa, uh, these people were these clients were they wanted a boat. They were they were boaters. They they had a you know I mean they were they they certainly had experience boating. They were experienced boaters, uh, but and they knew pretty much what they wanted. So Mark Maserati set it up, and uh, and he and and the clients came in, came up to Seattle, and. Uh, I, uh, I started my initial exploration of what it was they wanted. I knew it was going to be classic or at least uh, you know, traditional, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. and probably classic. And I knew they liked wood. And so I opened up my portfolio, and their eyes fell upon the first page of my portfolio, which happened to have been a an office suite that I did for a client uh uh... in massachusetts on, on gloucester bay and uh... they liked the style and he wanted something that was very classic a combination of um, uh... what he called the bridge of a modern yacht plus that which would respect or reflect the uh, historic nature of the gloucester seaport mm-hmm. so i put together some, some forms um, uh some I, you know, desks and furniture and, and and teak and holly floors and v groove ceilings with borders and you know things that are classic yacht and they've took one look at those pictures and they said that's it that's what we want <laughs> and so basically uh we use that as a um uh that particular design as a um uh, as as a basis for for their boat now as far as the um the galley is concerned, that really had nothing to do with me that was that was the layout that came with the from the from the original design, this was hall number two of the ninety two footers and uh so that came from it 's now citadel, but at that at that time they called themselves Ale yachts and um, and so i can 't claim credit for that, but what the clients wanted um they weren 't happy with just a traditional rendering of an interior, although they liked that that particular layout what they wanted as they said in their words we don 't want a motel six. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know by that and then by you know this interior that we did for this office well, I mean it was a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar interior just for a small office you know wow. I mean it involved exotic woodwork for uh, Fertello, uh <clears throat> here in Seattle um, uh, the artisans marine artisans group uh, Mark Fortello was the one that uh, he's he's done several of my interiors and and he was the one that did the office uh, which was was built here and shipped east and assembled there and so on and so forth so at any rate um uh it it made it um I, I basically we just he just wanted to go through so we had to redesign everything i mean you know the concept of the galley the central galley because these people love to cook and they love to entertain uh around around the, you know around their meals uh that that was set uh but i had to style everything i mean there wasn't a single piece of wood or anything that didn't that didn't change you know we had you know, I think 35 custom uh, knives cut for you know the various uh, pieces of wood tri- trim and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it, it 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 then it became from there. I mean, it was it was it was all custom, but it was based on the original uh, on the original floor plan. Right. Although okay. I did have to have to develop the the lower lower deck because uh, uh, we had to we had to rearrange things completely down there. Mm-hmm. But it was just, a, you know, it was very subtle. They didn't want anything over the top at all. They they didn't want to see a lot of grain. Uh, they wanted a very subtle but sophisticated, classic, you know, fairly classical piece that was not right. over the top. So they, right. they were very pleasant to work with.
1: Good, good. What are some projects you're working on now? Uh, do you have sailboat projects? Do you have motor yachts? Do you have a combination of wish
0: I wish I had sailboat projects.
1: <laughs>
0: we had two uh, until the bottom fell out of the market. Uh, two of my past clients, one of whom had been sailing a boat that I designed with uh, with Sparkman and Stevens 20 years ago. Uh, he's been sailing that boat for 20 years, and he called me and said, uh, God, get ready. I want to do a 140 or 150-footer. And, of course, that was, that was fantastic. And then another client I'd done a powerboat for. Uh, called uh, and was very enthusiastic about doing a, a, a sailboat, you know, of that size, and so you know, up until uh, the market, the bottom of the market fell out. We were looking forward when we finished the our the projects that we had on board, which was Lucia and, and and Miss Lisa. We were looking forward to doing these two sailboats, and uh, but they haven't happened, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and at, at the moment uh, we're frankly waiting for the next project. We just wound up, uh, you know, these last two, and and we're doing a little marketing and. Uh, I'm actually have time to work on a book that I've been writing for some time. It's uh, based on the various yacht deals that uh, we've put together and you know designs that we've put together. So I'm cranking a few words out. So we're kind of in a holding pattern uh, at the moment. The the business has slowed way down here. I mean it's almost almost nothing, and uh, and so we're just kind of waiting for things to pick up.
1: Right. Well, hopefully, one of the people who's listening, especially if they have a sailboat project in mind, will uh, will get in touch. <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> and in the meantime, you can uh, you can keep working on that book. And once you're all ready with the book, let us know, and we'll uh, we can feature it on the website.
0: Well, definitely, I, I will certainly do that.
1: Good, good. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It was a pleasure to talk to you Diane, and learn more about a, what you do.
0: It's been a pleasure talking to you. Good luck. <laughs>
1: Terrific. Okay. Everybody, if you'd like to learn more about Joe and his designs, you can visit his company's website, which is www.rtzdesign.com. Thanks for tuning in to Mega News Radio. To learn more about the Mega market, you can read my daily blog, check out exclusive videos, and listen to more podcasts like this on my website, which is www.megayachtnews.org.